But if you're a college student and he's on a scholarship playing basketball. No. Um, I wish he was on a scholarship. He was not. No. Was no. he a walk-on? Well, in California, junior colleges don't offer scholarships. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That true. And so when that he was playing true. for a JUCO college there, and he just didn't like the whole college aspect of playing uh, sports. Yeah, it can be tough. Yeah. It can be very, very tough and intimidating as well. Right. Yeah. yeah there's, there's a lot to handle. I think if you don't have the right support system, that's when um, you feel kind of isolated on, the on an island and it's hard to navigate and it's hard to do work and it's hard to get everything accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel, I feel for him. That's, that's hard. Yeah. And I, so I brought him home not knowing COVID was going to happen. I brought him home a week before COVID started. Oh, good. Yeah, because yeah, he, he would not like the, <laughs> he would not like all social distancing right now with, with how things are guidelined and what's open, what's yeah. not opened. And yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough. And I think we, we as, as parents um, have a lot to, 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 to think about when it comes to our kids' psycholo psychological, uh, um, you know, development. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, socialization and being amongst each other and being able to at least conversate. And it's, you know, everybody's like, oh, the kids should be used to it. They're used to doing their online games and stuff like that. And my kids, no, they're not used to that. They're used to seeing people in mm -hmm. person. They're used to hanging out with friends. So it's a whole nother life for them. It's not yeah. the life that people pretended to be that, oh, you should be used to your kids. It's has been in this bubble of social media for almost all their life and that's yeah. not really the case no and i think i think people humans naturally need other humans to feel complete Absolutely. you can't just be isolated and feel happy i mean i guess some people could but not most people yeah not most people and i think yeah. I'm, I'm one of those people that that loves the interaction in person mm -hmm. i love to converse uh, i'm a talker by nature I think that my kids have adopted that and I think they have also kind of gotten to the point where they rather be, and I know they'll still play their games and stuff like that, but they'd rather be hanging out with friends and doing things out and about, learning new things or having an adventure or like I say, failing so they can understand what it is to fail and understand what it is to come back from that. Usually with friends, you have that support system when you fail. And you've got that camaraderie and you build that stability from from those types of failures with with a group or with people who can support you and pick you up and Absolutely. virtually it's it's very hard yeah, very very right hard. you just you feel just so isolated I, so many people are depressed right now it's just so sad mm -hmm. oh absolutely so, so sad. extremely uh, yeah which is going to bring me to my question about you, because I find uh, your back here history and what you're doing fascinating. I, oh. I love sports. I think they're incredibly important for kids to do sports. I think it helps with their socialization, which we were just talking about, their competitive nature. And give me a little bit of background about you and your upbringing and what you've, you've done as far as sports go and soccer. Sure. I think uh, I was first introduced to the sport when I was 10 years old. And I think the sport in itself wasn't something that really interested me. And I did it because my mom wanted to keep me off of the streets. I grew up in an area which was predominantly 
um, upper middle class and my family was not. My family was, uh, mother and father were immigrants from Mexico. They're both came here to this country to, to find a better life and better life for their kids and did whatever they could for their kids to, to, to jump ahead. And they went as far as, you know, working two to three jobs. Um, but one of the things that my dad was very strict on, it was, you know, you, you always have to be doing something. You, you have to be active. Uh, my mom took it a step further and said, okay, well, I don't want them working with you in the fields. <laughs> my dad, my dad is a laborer and I, we did. And what he wanted, my mom wanted us to do was actually spend some time with kids and socialize and socialize and understand what it, what it is to live in this country because my mom and dad did not. Uh, and they didn't want us to grow up learning just how to work. Yeah. So sports gave me that opportunity and that opportunity was through soccer at the age of nine. I was put on a team which was much older than I was. I don't know how it happened, but I was very young. And I do remember moments of, of me playing uh, with these younger kids and I just couldn't relate to them. And it felt socially awkward. And as time went by, um, I just found myself in a position where I liked the sport and I started to put more into it. I didn't really have a coach that, that put me through a system. And I started to do it on my own. Um, started to refine the simple things. And, you know, there's a, there's a part of sports, which is that natural gift that one has. And that gift, you just exploit it and you try to do whatever you can with it. And I happen to be fast. I happen to be very technical with my body and how to control it. And the rest was just about doing the fundamentals. Um, when I did get a, a, a pretty decent coach, they actually promoted me to a couple of other coaches that had um, insight into the sport. And some of them actually were really good coaches. Some of them were, were actually uh, acclaimed coaches in the state. And one of them was an international coach that happened to have a son that went to my school who found out that I was, I was playing and he had a look at me. And I've, I've always played against kids older than I, have, than I am. And uh, I excelled, you know, nice. I excelled with kids that were two years older than I was. Um, so I, from, from that perspective, I, I could tell you that sports wasn't something that I really wanted to do at first. I just really wanted to just hang out and ride my bike, uh, <laughs> ride my skateboard. Uh, but through that process of growing up and through that process of, you know, finding outlets and, and learning how to, how to build camaraderie sports has taught me that and it's mm -hmm. taught me the challenge of personal uh, achievement and it's taught me the challenge of team achievement and both of them have been through this collective um, I guess you could say you bargain there's things that you want to do as an athlete and as a player out in the field and then there's that piece that you know you have to give whatever you can for the team for sure. the outcome for the end outcome but with that said I think it, uh, that's that's kind of what started to motivate me and then at the grand age of 10 um I'm, because of my dad's nature because of my mom's nature that that sense of work ethic kicked in um and it just took off um i could tell you that that at the age of 11 i was already starting to get noticed at the age of 12 i was given an opportunity to travel to germany to play i was given a tryout with a couple teams in Germany. Um, I was there for three months as a 12 year old kid. 
um, started to play with with a couple different kids in my area that were at a very high level as well and joined this the regional team for California joined the state team I uh, joined the the US national team pool uh, none of which I expected to to achieve it was just I just wanted to become a good athlete I just wanted mm -hmm. to become a good player and the uh, the rest is history I guess you could say um, I played <laughs> I played club, I've played high school, I've played collegiately. Uh, injuries started to really hit me hard in college. Um, injuries that hit me in high school. Um, college was sort of my highlight. Then we went to a league that was uh, first division here in the United States that has since folded. And part of the teams are now in the MLS. Um, but that time I had to make a decision of what did I wanted to do for with, with my life because um, there wasn't much money in the MLS and expectations of reaching the next level uh, weren't exactly, uh, they weren't really realistic. So I really had to make a decision at that point. I decided to leave the, the game professionally and pursue other avenues. Was that hard? Extremely. Yeah. Extremely. Because at some point, you, you, you never wanted this to become, um, I never wanted it to become my, my career. I just loved it. It was a passion of mine, more of a hobby yeah. that I took up. And then I just saw the competitive nature of it. And for me, that's what drove me. The competitive nature is what drove me to the next level, to the next level, to the next level. And I never dreamed that I would be a professional player. And I think when I got to that stage, I liked it. But when I got uh, injured and injured and injured, and you could start to feel those injuries really hurting you, that's when things kind of sunk in. And the opening of the MLS in 94, 95, really told me something um, because of the, the, the salaries that were there. I could have uh, pushed myself to see if I could have gone any further, but I didn't see a living in it. And mm -hmm. I didn't see a way to, to help my family out as well. So I, I had a, then our, our culture, it's, it's, you know, you, you're giving so much, but at the same time, at the end, you, you got to give a little bit back. Yeah. And that's, that's what I started doing instead and started looking at becoming a professional, um, something that I can make an income and a, and a living off of. Awesome. Awesome. And I know you do, you do sales for, a, for your living. Correct. But as far as for soccer, and tell me a little bit about what you're doing with the kids this in the neighborhood or in soccer and your coaching. Sure. So the community that I pertain to is in the city of Placencia. I started this off also in the city of Maria and your Belinda. The, there's a lot of kids in this area that are, as I mentioned, upper middle class and you tend to see these kids flourish and they've got the income to, to flourish and mm -hmm. club soccer is not expensive, not cheap. And it could be very expensive. Um, it usually ranges about $2,000 per kid. Uh, some club teams charge $3,000 per kid per year. And you have kids that don't have this opportunity to pay $3,000, whether the team or the club team decides to give them a scholarship, it's up to them, but they're not going to scholarship every single player they'll usually scholarship a kid who's who's good and give that kid an opportunity to play which is great however there's still that need to 
attend to those kids who are not so fortunate? What's their dream like? Uh, and I look at my upbringing and really I was given an opportunity and never paid anything for, for soccer. And it, it was because of my ability, but it was two coaches in specific that really gave me that opportunity. They never charged me a dime. They were charged my mom and dad a dime, but they were looking for kids who were low income. They were looking for kids who had potential and ability to excel. Just give them an opportunity. And that's what I was, that's what I'm doing today. I'm looking for kids who are looking to develop, not to pay out of their pocket so a coach can, can give them that, that sense of, uh, okay, you, I think you can do it, but it's going to cost you two to $3,000. Mm -hmm. It's just give them an opportunity, do a training session for them, let them feel like they can, they can work and, and, and reach a potential. What's the sky's mm -hmm. the limit for them? And the sky's the limit for any kid. My kid still believes he can be a professional player at the age of 14. Awesome. Good for him. Yeah. And he puts the effort in, he puts the work ethic in. Um, it's, it's my job as a, as a trainer, as a coach, to guide them to their dream. What is their dream to, to, to play collegiately and get an education, but also play a sport that they love? Why not? Uh, is their dream to, to try to get into an academy team and get spotted? Maybe they want to play for their national team. Why not? My mm -hmm. job is to help them reach that, that potential and really start off with the plan of, of having skills and workshops put together in the area and just train and help them out with their fundamentals, give them suggestions, give a diet suggestions as well, because part of it is, you know, diet, part of it is work ethic. Yep. The biggest thing though that I do for these kids is look at the bigger picture for them. And the bigger picture for them is you need to have a good education because sometimes sports isn't going to work for you. Yeah. What is your, what is your fallback? Um, so we do have a way of, at my club team, we do have a way to mentor kids and put kids in the spotlight where they can have an understanding of what the bigger picture looks like for them, which is collegiately, um, not through soccer, just mm -hmm. get your grades up, get a good education, continue your education into college. Um, let our kids get their, get their bubble bursted mm -hmm. by not being scouted or getting, yeah. being able to walk onto a team. So what's, what's left for them? So the thing is to continue to mentor them um, and get them to realize that schooling is, is super important. The last thing that I do with my community and the players that I work with is to teach them in, uh, mental toughness. Awesome. Mental toughness is something that really is, is hard for a lot of people. Um, getting told no requires a lot of mental toughness. And I think for me in the business that I'm in, you can honestly... Uh, continue to talk to people and talk to people and talk to people and you're mm -hmm. going to get no consistently. How do you take that? You, right. from my perspective, I don't look at it as no, I look at it as it not right now. And I think that is what kids need to kind of learn is something to substitute the no for. And I, I, I sort of help kids in a, in a certain way, understand what, what their capabilities are, help them try to reach what those capabilities are. But what is it that's holding them back? Is it something at home? Are they bringing that, that, um, that frustration to practice? Are they bringing that frustration to, to their games? Um, that psychological aspect of the game 
um, requires so much of you. So if you don't have the right mindset going into a game or into a practice session, you're not going to perform. Right. So getting them to separate it is also very vital. Uh, so there's a lot of things that I look for when I talk to kids. It's not about just the sport itself. It is more about what they're trying to do with their lives. And if I can help in any which way, it's great. But if their goal is to be a better athlete, better player, um, and want to go to school, we're all in. If they have trouble with, with their parents and at home, I, this happened to me last year. It's never happened to me since I started coaching where I had five kids on my roster that had issues with mom and dad because they were all divorced. Mm -hmm. I had a family that's a family of 11. Um, Sounds like they're from Utah. <laughs> <laughs> you would think. Right? You would think. Uh, they had a lot of issues. Um, this kid had a lot of issues where he, he grew up in a sports environment and mom is very, very, very strict on them sports-wise has one kid who's in the academy team for Barcelona in Arizona. And this kid ha constantly gets overshadowed mm -hmm. by his brother, by his elder brother. And mom doesn't seem to care about him. Mm -hmm. So how do you deal with that? That's how do you sad. deal with that emotionally? How do, you, how do you talk to the kid about it? And what are the things that you're doing to prepare him so that he can succeed? And what mm -hmm. are his goals, right? Um, and I think that's for me, that's, that's important. He has a goal. I need to help him reach that goal and help him to try to be a better, better person overall yeah. and to set, set realistic expectations for him. Um, it was very, it was a very, very hard year, emotionally, a very, very hard year. And I can only imagine what those kids are going through right now without having in their outlet, which is soccer because of COVID. Um, it allows them you know, soccer allows them that self-expression, at least that right. moment of freedom. And right now that's not possible. Are you still contacting your players, even though you can't have practice? Yeah, no. you know, it, we do have our, our talks. Uh, I have coach, I have a kid that moved away to Texas, who's built a great relationship with him and the family. And it's funny because I've always asked them when they come to visit California to come, I have a uniform for him. <laughs> <laughs> always welcome to come and play oh, and awesome. it's it's about continuing that relationship right and i think right. that relationship it's a very important as a kid it's very important mm -hmm. um and i think from the experience that i had with the coaches that i work with that experience was huge and to trust an adult right, right? and you as an adult are very responsible for that relationship and making sure that they're taken care of um parent reached out to me and said hey you know my kid's having a really hard time with school. Can you talk to him? Next, next thing you know, this kid's getting straight A's. I had a kid who's, um, uh, this was a hard one. Uh, he's already in a tough situation because his family's divorced and all of a sudden he loses an uncle, a very mm -hmm. close uncle, a uncle that's almost 10 years older than he is to suicide. Yeah. Oh. How do you help this kid who does not want to talk to mom and dad? Mm -hmm. And I could see it on the field. Mm -hmm. and just asking them and the kid just breaks down and just tells me everything. And we stayed mm -hmm. talking for like 40 minutes and mom was okay letting me talk to him. Yeah. Things like that are important to me and to have that continuous relationship. And it's funny because that little boy gave me this little wrist, this little, oh. that's his. So he gave me the bracelet 
and just thanked me for everything that he's that uh, you know he and I have built together in terms of friendship and respect and um, those are relationships I, I cherish because as they get older, I want to see them do good things and yeah. make good decisions and do what's best for them. Yeah, I uh, I think I think you as a coach, you have got the right mindset, and me as a mother, I am grateful to hear that because I ended up getting. I didn't really realize it until after, well, during as well, but it was a long time to get my son out of a coaching, out of a basketball team where the coach was mentally, uh, emotionally hard on the kids. Mm-hmm. So much so that I had to take my son to counseling after. Wow. Like for example, he would, uh, his coach would yell at the kids on the team during a game. Like he would, he would yell at the kids. He told the kids to take off their shoes and go in timeout during a, during a basketball game. And so it was, yeah. So for me as a mom to hear what you're doing and, and this wasn't all of the coaches that that my son had, but it was one particular one. And it was a very, very hard because it was, he's, he was a great skills coach mm-hmm. and he was a great skills coach, but a horrible game coach. Right. Right. And so, yeah. And it's, it's, I see that today in this, in this sport all the time. And we, uh, we're at tournaments and you hear something behind you and somebody yelling obscenities at these kids. And I take a look and I'm like, what age group is that? And I look back and it's my same age group. Yeah. And at this time they're, they were like 11, 12 year old kids. And like, what? This is this is the problem mm-hmm. that that bothers me is you're living the game through your own passion, which is where the mistake is. Let's let them live it through their own. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they they're the ones who have to put the work ethic. Yeah, you as a coach, you need to do your job. You need to unite them. You need to put them together. But it's not my passion. It's theirs. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we have to remind ourselves. I had, just to let you know, um, growing up with my father was very hard. He's very, a driven, driven man. Uh, kind of that respect in the culture where you don't talk back to dad. Yeah. And I've had some really hard coaches, especially my collegiate coach, which was n- hard. Um, the gentleman who pushed me to join um, to take two tryouts in Germany, pushed me to my limit. And he was aggressive. To your point, though, I, he drove me to see what I could do. He was hard and brutal, but he drove me. Never insulted me. Never told me I was a failure. Never told me I sucked. Nothing like that. He was sort of like that military sergeant. Some people can thrive off of it. Some people cannot. I so happen to be a, a, I love that type of approach. Yeah. And I don't like though, like you to what you said, those who kind of dream the game through their own eyes and start to build that passion through their own eyes and understand that these kids are not professionals because if they were, I wouldn't be coaching them. And the coach that your son had would not be coaching them. Right. Right. No, I, 
Yeah. I mean, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. If I could live it, do it all over again, I wouldn't have allowed him to play for that organization for as long as I let him. Yeah. But I, I learned a lot. He learned a lot. I, I think he got, as much as I hated everything he went through, I think he got a little mental, t- mental tough because of it. Because mm-hmm. you have to put a shell around you when you're getting yelled at in the middle, in front of a hundred people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I don't necessarily, I don't think that that's right by any means. But, uh, you know, live and learn. I, I wouldn't do it again. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't and, do and, it again. And the changing aspect of, of how coaches are teaching the game now has changed. And you hardly see those people that are just at the top of their lungs yelling or saying obscenities, but they're still there. Yeah. Um, but when I was growing up, it was, it was frequent. <laughs> it was well, frequent. This particular person is still here in Utah, and it's quite comical because if you're anywhere near basketball, you know who he is here mm-hmm. in Utah because he takes his hat and he throws it across the gym or something. <laughs> like if he gets a if he gets a call he doesn't like, so it's fine. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, the other thing that you were talking about is outside of the U.S., you said kids don't have to pay for sports. That's true. And can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, there's a system that's put into play, and I can, t- I can give you the example of Spain, and I can give you the example of Germany and Mexico. And there's a true system that brings you up and exploits you. And they give you trials and they give you opportunities and they sort of place you on teams. And there's people like me that basically go through the process of developing kids. And if this kid's good, hey, I need to send them to the next level. Hey, if this kid's better than, better than I thought, I send them up to the next level. And before you know it, he's probably, you know, on a trial or a tryout for, for the best team in the area. That doesn't happen so much here unless you pay. It used to be a little bit different, but it's become a market where people pay. Mm -hmm. We call it pay to play. Um, The examples that I gave you earlier about, you know, organizations and sports clubs that you, you tend to want to give a certain payment. It's going to allow your kid to play, but there's other kids that don't get that opportunities. right? Right. And they can develop into this next player if you play. So what we, call the next level of play is uh, Olympic development program short for ODP Um, Olympic development program before when I was when I was going through the process was really taking the best talent out of an area and moving them to the next pool that's usually the regional pool today that still exists but you have to pay to get in it so now if I want my kid to excel I have to pay for club and I have to pay for this ODP program. So again, you're, you're starting to see where things are starting to line up, right? Yep. In this country, the biggest issue with developing talent is you have to be a rock star in order to move up to the next level. In other countries, you constantly see them being developed. In Mexico, you constantly see these talents being developed because nobody's paying. If mm-hmm. you're if you've got an opportunity, people are testing you and testing you and testing you to see where they can take you. That's the goal because some of these kids, that's all they have is a dream. We, on the other hand, 
take advantage of that opportunity because we have such we have such good structure here mm-hmm. but it costs so much and yep. sometimes you look at it from the club's perspective and what they charge but sometimes you look at it from a little bit deeper and we look at why the cost is so high and it, sometimes it comes down to the cities baseball has that now where it's that traveling team football has it well now it's the traveling team basketball has it with aau right these are these groups that are now elite because it's a money-making machine soccer though happens to be the one sport that most kids participate in but it's so expensive that Mm -hmm. they know that this, this sport here in this country isn't big and they know there's really no outlet for it but still there's a price tag for it other countries don't have that and the sport is much more popular and you've got spain again as an example that has basketball and soccer as its two main main sports yet you have these the systems in play from top to bottom with these club teams that are able to farm out and sort of do the sponsorship themselves so these kids don't have to pay it's very interesting that we don't have anything in play like that mm-hmm. today and the example would be a real madrid team in spain has a basketball team they have a whole bunch of sports teams um, but basketball and soccer are predominantly their their top two sports that they have so many different levels of play and they have so many levels of kids that can play and then they've got other little farm areas where nobody has to pay we just want you to develop as a player we don't have that here uh zlatan ibrahimovic which is a player that came from sweden and he left a team called paris saint germain to come to the la galaxy mm-hmm. um i knew a couple people that saw his kid play uh his kid plays uh I believe under nine and he had to pay three thousand dollars and he's this is a multi-millionaire he actually made the comment and that comment sparked a lot of outrage here in this community because his comment was i can't believe that in america my kid still has to pay to play even on one of the professional teams academy team and that's a big statement because mm-hmm. that doesn't happen anywhere else but it happens in america so it's very interesting and it yeah. could be there could be a lot of more problems with it but in this country there we're just really really far behind you know i never realized that that was a i thought everybody paid to play until you mm-hmm. and i had that conversation the last time i was like what and then i it, like something dawned on me i'm like oh yeah because we're money hungry in america yeah <laughs> Yeah. That's what I think it is. <laughs> it's what it is. And we, we look at it from, I've, I've had many conversations with, you know, executives from our club and their biggest issue is just the fields and what it costs to use a field is outrageous. Really? And the things that go into maintaining the field. And then they look at the field and it's like, it's nothing's changed. Where's our money going? Yeah. So the school districts, which have the fields for whatever reason they're charging a big a big price but this is our youth 
-hmm. where is it that we start investing more into our youth? Why is the prices of, of club so high? Why is the price of part of it is yes, the trainer part of it is yes, the fields need to be maintained, but where in the middle of that is the school district, the County, the city start to get involved and say, gosh, this is our community. Wouldn't I like to have a player come out of my community and represent my country and just gloat at the fact that they came out of my community. It's just huge. And, and they're playing, at a very high level, it's just huge. Yeah. Um, most of the players that are playing now internationally have grown up internationally for our country. I mean, homegrown players, we really don't have many. And it used to be that we had homegrown players. So most of the players now that are that we have in the spotlight are not groomed in, in the United States. They're groomed in other parts of the world, but they're Americans. Oh. And that's a big problem. Mm -hmm. we, we need to have more homegrown players coming out of our youth systems representing this country. So if they're not developing in this country, where are they developing? They're developing in Europe. So that's a huge problem. And I think pe many people will tell you that that's for our sport, it's not going to get any better anytime soon. So are you doing, I know what you're doing personally in community, are, is there anything else that you're doing or your club is doing or your community or something that I could do to help bring yeah, this so, to the forefront? Yeah, so what our community does today, our, our, our little, um, it's not little actually, it's not a, a little club, but our club actually does provide some, some guidance from some of the, some of the kids that are even five years old. The nice. thing about that, it's pretty cool. And we call it uh, Little Strikers. And that gives kids the ability to just come out and just have fun. Um, minimal fee, it's $10. It's just to pay for the t-shirt. They can all look alike. Yeah. They can all feel alike. Um, and then just start to understand the, the fundamentals of the game, start to build repetition, and start to see, gosh, you know, with a little bit of work, your kid's really good. Hey, you know what? They really loves the game. Let's teach them more. They want more. Absolutely. Let's teach them how to fall in love with this game. It's not all about building the best player. Sometimes it's all about having the player or the kid enjoy themselves. There's yeah. two aspects of it, right? So you have to be as a coach ready to do that. Um, for myself, um, I don't take a fee uh, from my teams and the teams that I have today, I've actually shelled out money out of all my own pocket just to pay for the registration. Um, our registration is very minimal. Mm -hmm. but I don't take the cost uh, from the team. And I basically leave every player to, to, to play for free. Awesome. For me, that's important because again, you've got these players who want to play yeah. and they really want to drive to the next level. And I know I can drive them to the next level. If they can give me their commitment, I, I, they have mine. Awesome. So that's kind of a trade-off, especially with the parent and, I have some parents that come from Santa Ana, which is about a 20 minute drive away. Some kids that come from Corona, it's a 30 minute drive away. And some kids that come from um, Fontana, that's a 45 minute drive. Mm -hmm. We had some kids coming from Compton to come play, which is 45 minutes, um, given actually about an hour with traffic. So no. practice time and stuff like that is usually in the afternoon. So given that there's kids that understand what we can offer them. Mm -hmm. Some coaches are not like that. Some coaches, this is their living. I understand it. 
uh, it's not my living yeah and but it is my passion and i think that's the difference between the two that's awesome so what could i do as doing this podcast with you i will get the word out is there anything that i could do as a mom anything i could do as a somebody in the community in utah yeah and it's been very interesting because we have um we have similar things in, in the sports community that we all want to want to put together in our own communities. Mm-hmm. And I think in California, I'm not the only one that's doing this. This is the great thing about Southern California, which produces more, more soccer players throughout the nation collegiately yeah. than any other state. I'm not the only one doing what I'm doing, which is great. Yeah. And not sure what, what that entails in Utah. I know in Arizona, it's starting to pick up some steam. Nice. Um, but we don't know how what other states are doing something to the level that we're doing and it would be great if there was somebody in the community even if it's for a nominal fee even if it's ten dollars a player there Mm -hmm. are kids who would pay that instead of paying three thousand dollars yeah and just hey i just want to get more rhythm i just want to get more work i want to be taught this i want to be taught that i want to be given a chance and some kids will do it and some parents will do it. And that's how I started it. And it's maybe in a good opportunity to maybe to spread that word that it shouldn't be about who has the top dollar. And it should be even in areas where it's upper middle class and let those kids who are not able to pay mm-hmm. an opportunity to play or even an opportunity at least to, to have proper training. So those are the key fundamentals that I think are important for for you know as a message from a coach doing it in another part of the the the, the country to for yourself mm-hmm. um an advocate of, of sports mm-hmm. it's just give kids the opportunity my friend does something similar in massachusetts and he has he does it in football and again this football is expensive it's all the equipment everything else that goes with it, it's very very expensive so with that said, it, he, he does something to just teach kids the fundamentals. And he does something that, that I do, which is he and I talk quite a bit, is the mental aspect of it. Because sometimes, you know, it, it can take you in a whole different direction. Are there people doing that in your community? So the questions that I, that I kind of am I'm asking you directly is, if it's not being done in your community, who can help? Mm-hmm. And who can... Who can come out and, you know, maybe what's the regional soccer program doing? Real Salt Lake. Yeah. That team in itself, I would ask them what they're doing for their okay. community. Um, I know Galaxy uh, here was huge. And it's it spread from, I would say, parts of the San Fernando Valley all the way down to San Diego. And they were doing a lot for the community. Uh, nothing. There was a lot that wasn't free, though. Um, so maybe if they're putting clinics together, what are they doing to, to also help those kids who can't afford it? So that's, that was a question that came about here and they changed the whole system because really it was, it was, um, that the club team was sort of making some money and mm-hmm. spreading, spreading itself, um, its name out there to make more money. But with that said, it's, what they what were they trying to do for the kids initially was actually good, but then it became more of a business. Maybe the Salt you know Real Salt Lake has something in play 
if not them, there should be a state level mm -hmm. that looks at this whole formation of helping kids learn. I'm sure it's out there. Um, yeah. It's just, how do you make it more popular? Right. Yeah. And the, the biggest, the biggest thing you're going to go through is the process of, you know, those club teams are like, yeah, you're crazy. Nobody's going to want to do it for free. And you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. And there's, there's people who do it for free and they go into the communities of Santa Ana, the, the hard hit communities of Santa Ana. They'll go into the hard hit areas where, you know, there's, there's that possibility that this kid may not make it to play any sport. Well, we got two kids from Compton. We put them on the LA Galaxy team. I mean, because we knew that we didn't have an academy team. We forced them to go to the LA Galaxy team. And they took him. And he's still there. Oh. So those are the dreams that we want. Yeah. And it started because this kid came out to have some free sessions. Yeah. So it's got to be out there. Yeah. And it's got to be out there for for other kids, just like myself, just for like for the kids that it, that have come under my my attention, and then for other kids in different parts of the country. That's that's awesome. I know for me, being a single mom with a son playing AAU basketball, and then also a daughter playing doing dance, or uh, she also played rugby and volleyball. I sold a lot of cookie dough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because that's how I paid for it. Absolutely. Because it's it's not cheap. It is not no. It's cheap. not cheap. It's not cheap. And you know we had we had um, agreements with StubHub. I think it's a Dignity Health Field now, which is where the LA Galaxy plays. Mm -hmm. And we had kids work off some of their fees. Oh, awesome! I mean, and then there's parts of it they can't work, obviously, because they sell beer. Yeah. But their families would do it for them. Oh, and it's awesome. it's just opportunities. It's opportunities for them to make a difference for themselves. Um, my trip to Germany wasn't entirely free, so I was selling door to door candies. <laughs> That's why so, you're such a good salesperson. I I, I guess <laughs> so. But there is a trick story, a trick uh, trick up my sleeve with that with that story though. Um, great. Great salesman would sell, would sell, would sell. But I got tired of just selling and walking and getting that no, right? I really yeah. wanted to go to Germany. Knock, 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 knock. I, I, don't, I can't tell you how many houses I went to. But I know how much time I spent. And it was at roughly around four hours. By myself in the 80s, right? Yeah. And I got so tired and it was so hot that I opened up a bag of M&Ms and I started eating them. <laughs> <laughs> So before you knew it, I went through three boxes and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, I was a good salesman, but at the same time, I, I, it just. You ate your profit. I, I ate my profit. I ate my profit. <laughs> and I also accelerated that, that goal a little bit more. My mom actually had to pay for some of it. Oh, um, no. For the ones I ate. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it's stuff that. Again, just opportunities. I mean, parents would do anything, I think, mm -hmm. for the most part to, to, to make their kids' dreams come true. And if they can't, because we've had that happen where the parents aren't willing to, but at least they're willing to let us try to help, mm -hmm. let us at least try to help them reach those goals. Again, the kid from Compton, whole different story. Uh, 
it was it was an amazing story. Amazing oh. story. Uh, a kid from Santa Ana whose dad just did not believe in him at all. Uh, mom didn't know anything about the sport. Um, went to Santa Ana. I, I know, know a guy that does his own thing up there and charges the kid, again, a minimal fee. And they get this whole incredible experience um, doing weight training, doing conditioning, doing on-the-field training. And he's got, a, he's got a really good professional athlete in himself that allows him to do the same thing that I'm doing. He's got a little bit deeper pocket in the sponsorship that he has. He was one of the greatest players in Mexican history. Oh, wow. Funds his academy. Yeah. Oh. So he's got, he's got some flexibility. Yeah. However, this kid was there and he, he's telling me that the kid was looking just to play on a team. And I went to go see him. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think I could, I could help him out. So this kid, and I'm unfortunately not able to keep t in touch with this kid, but this kid flourished and he just started to take off and his confidence went through the roof. That's what you want to see. Yeah. Oh. That's what you want to see. And this kid got a shot. Um, dad and mom, they didn't really have a stable uh, phone connection. Uh, so phones got disconnected consistently. They did those pay phones where you pay mm -hmm. for a plan and then you lose yeah. a number after a certain time. So wasn't able to keep in touch with that boy. But yes, those are the things that we want to see. Those are the no. things that, at least from that standpoint, I did as much as I could for that little boy. And I know it could happen somewhere else besides this area. I know yeah. it happens up north in Northern California. And I know it's happening somewhere in Utah. I just need to bring attention to it and spread that word and get people on that bandwagon because that's how it happens here. People don't, their people are tired of paying so much um, to, to really go nowhere. And those who are paying to play, it's also not a bad thing either, right? Yeah. I just yeah. feel bad for those who are excluded. I. 100%, 1,000% agree with you. This was a really interesting conversation with you. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem. No problem. I, thanks for having me. Obviously, it's, uh, um, it's cool to talk about. Not everybody wants to know more about it. And I think a lot of people, especially right now with COVID, um, don't get to see it. And kind of even if pre-COVID, you didn't see it, you're definitely not seeing it right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's great opportunities to have people really think about, you know, that unity, that, mm -hmm. that what's, what's more important for you, which is your kid. And if you're really thinking about that during this time, I think it could be an eye opener for yeah. when things open up and what's really important for your kid. And hopefully yeah. there's things and avenues out there and roads out there for those kids to really hit those marks and hit those goals that they have. It's, it's so necessary right now. It, it it's very, is. very necessary. Yeah. It and is. Our, the youth are our future, so we should be putting all of our focus Everything. on them. Everything. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank awesome. you for having me. It's a pleasure. Oh, you're very welcome. This was a, a very enjoyable conversation, so thank you. No, you're yeah. welcome. You're yeah. welcome. Awesome. So, well, you have a great night. I guess thank it's night too. there now. It's dinner time. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's six thirty your time. You're you're yeah. ahead of me. So, so yeah, awesome. for me it's, it's five thirty. So it's it's um it's actually just go for a walk time. Oh yes, <laughs> for sure. Do that. <laughs>
Now yeah, that you can. Yeah, my fiance is not coming back till maybe like 7.30-ish or so. So I'll wait for her to before I go get something to eat with her. <laughs> oh, that's very kind. You but you should do that. She might be mad if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah, so that's awesome. Thank you so much, Ron. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay. Anytime. We'll be talking to you soon. Okay, sounds great. Thanks. Okay, okay. you're welcome. Bye.